some of the unfortunate farmers whose wheat crops have been trampled down by hordes of emus, but they're hopeful of getting rid of the pest at last. They've never used this sort of scarifier before, but things are desperate, and it's war to a finish this time. The scouts of the advancing army have keen eyesight, and in order to get close to the main body, our lads have to do some real stalking, with the enemy watching events through their periscopes, raised up over the heads of corn. Now they're retiring, off at 40 miles an hour. Well, instead of the birds ruining the farmers, it seems the tables are turned, and there'll be no more damage done here for many a day to come. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Nick. And we're doing another episode today. We are. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Yeah. You know, how's work for you? How's life? Um, life is good. Um, I found out I accidentally wrote a best-selling novel, and uh, I spend my free time trolling people about history on Facebook. It's been pretty, it's been pretty good. Um, yeah, I don't know either. Uh, I'm still kind of like, when I found out, I was just like sitting at my kitchen table and uh, wasn't moving. And uh, have you ever like done anything and then just like forgot to breathe for a long period of time? Yeah. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> I just sitting there like, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, in yeah. and out. Yeah, it's like that really bad blonde joke when, like, the blonde woman just kills over and dies uh, because her headphones fell off. Yeah. And they pick up the headphones, and it just says, breathe in, breathe out. It's, you know, those jokes are funny. Yeah. Never. Uh, yeah. They were never funny. Um, so... Today's episode, uh, and we, we kind of like said, and I know I said a couple times on the Twitter, and I think I said at the end of the last podcast that we're going to do like a, a palate cleanser, uh, because I, I literally spent hours watching like Liberian Civil War combat footage and like interviews and watching child war veterans smoking fucking horse in a slum. Yeah. Like, it's kind of rough. And all those like I read a lot of firsthand accounts and uh, you know, I would like to think my, my sympathy, my sympathetic or like compassionate side of my brain is pretty well and dead after years of being in the military and everything like that and working in an ambulance. But um, like I legitimately had dreams about it and they weren't good. Uh, I so would hope they're not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, never in my life was ever like really need to drink some, uh, some child blood. But uh, I really need to smoke this heroin on some tin foil. Jesus Christ. This shit still is weird to me. Anyway, so today's episode brings us to the land down under and the land of Australia. The, the, the land of terrible fake Australian accents that Nick's going to try out for the next hour. I'm not going to try any you're, out. You're, do it. You're gonna do it. Not you're going to do it. You're doing it before we started to record. You have to do it now. A fucking terrible accents. <laughs> I know it. But I might. Who knows? The old crow might hit me. <laughs> the old crow always hits just right <laughs> it's fucking lit like a candle in here yeah. also nobody hated on me for this but the last episode is um the first time and maybe the only time in my life where i called a war criminal thicker than a snicker i'm not proud of that <laughs> but nobody called me out on i don't it. think you should <laughs> it's not a thing everybody knows why they're yeah. here nobody wants to be like hey that uh eichmann has some thunder thighs <laughs> but you know here comes me 
really, really bad jokes. Um, so today's episode is on what I'm aware of as the only declared war against uh, non-humans. That is the Emu War. It's not Starship Troopers. The, the Arachnids were a threat. All right. I remember Buenos Aires. They will be. I remember Buenos Aires. I'll never forget. Hashtag, Mobile infantry talk. Hashtag never forget. Uh, um, it's probably also the only time in history that like somebody lost a fight to a, a flightless bird. Like, yeah, but we're going to get there. Um, obviously, this wasn't a real declared war. The government did not. There was no declaration. No, of war. they didn't like pen. So it was illegal. The parliament got together like had a vote <laughs> like that didn't happen um so if you remember back to our bonus army episode which i end up bringing up a lot than a lot more than the other episodes for reasons i'm not entirely sure of. i think because people don't like that i wanted to punch pat in the face i have to defend myself so i use the bonus army episode a lot i liked it um i'm a fan uh you'll remember the riveting account that i gave about how, how veterans benefits worked uh back at the turn of the century um some countries like the U.S. figured out that gifting large tracts of land to veterans was unsustainable and switched to a monetary-based benefit system. Other places did not. Australia is one of those places. Why? <sighs> Maybe because it's like a vast tract of nothing. Probably shitty clay, a shit ton of spiders. Yeah, like, I, I don't think they measured out uh, mileage or, like, hectares. They're like, you get approximately 300 different species of dangerous animal <laughs> yeah. in your life. Enjoy. Yeah. Which equals out to be about an acre. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, uh, and I know personally, that was my favorite part of the bonus army episode was talking about veterans benefits. Um, so we're going to make this part pretty fast. Um, so the great war had just ended and uh, that is world war one for people who aren't trying to sound smart. Um, and it's it's a it's a fake attempt to sound like an intellectual. I call it the oh, Great yeah. War. Also, it's a really cool YouTube series I recommend. Oh yeah, yeah, it is. You can actually get away citing it recommended on graduate papers, like I just did last week. <laughs> I uh, escaped, but um, certain a half million Australians returned home. It should be noted that number is out of a population of only about five million. <laughs> so a sizable amount of the population yeah. left and is now coming back, and they all want some of that sweet sweet dirt. What the fuck? Yeah, that's that was part of the that was still part of their pension program. That's sweet red clay. Yeah, give me that tract of barren wasteland <laughs> that I've always wanted. It's like because you know what somebody says is like, I'd really like to own a large tract of Arizona. Like nobody says that. I I know a few, <clears throat> sadly. Well, it's only because they want to shoot people on the border. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, somehow also a, a large part of this population was British veterans. Um, I'm, I couldn't find any really reason why they were allowed to come in and say, hey, I want land too. Um, I'm assuming it's an old Commonwealth. In yeah. I'm assuming it's an old Commonwealth agreement. Yeah. Um, that somebody dusted off some papers and was like, this old law that nobody <laughs> remembers. Give me some of that dirt too, man. That's like a lot of the Texas law bullshit. That's like every list of stupid laws anybody like your weird old aunt posts on facebook like did you know in michigan oral sex is illegal like is it yeah what yeah i mean it, it, there's no like blowjob police kicking in people's doors <laughs> yet <laughs> get off that pecker yeah 
put it down, put the dick down and step away. Um, so yeah, all you got to have all these veterans coming back and uh, wanting land and Australia didn't fuck them over. Like not like the, our government did and fuck right, them right. over. They're like, Sure, we have all this land out in Western yeah, Australia. Sure, you have this shitty land. You have this grip of outback to develop, <laughs> right? It's kind of like uh, sounds like a good idea for a restaurant chain. <laughs> the grip of outback, yeah. Out, outback Steakhouse, except the only thing we serve is scorpions and misery. A little um, bit of red clay on the side. Yeah, and you know this is kind of like the um, the homesteaders for like, yeah, we'll give you land, just you have to do something with it. Except it's the Australian version, so it's much more ven- venomous and awful. Um, uh, thankfully for them, all of Western Australia is up for grabs, and uh, that's where the majority of the veterans' land ended up being. Uh, the soldiers, having nothing else to do in the area, decided to take up farming. The land, surprisingly enough, not good for farming. Who like, knew? It was irritable, sure, but it wasn't like bountiful cropland. Like they, Who knew? They could grow stuff on it, but they really had to try. Um, yeah, you really had to work. Yeah, um, which thankfully these being soldiers who just spent years digging trenches they're good at manual labor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, when, you know, and they end up being a bad choice. Uh, and while it was not great for farming, the veterans not having many other choices scratched out in existence. I mean, their monetary benefits were shit. Right. Um, they were more than exactly going to go get, you know, whatever other benefits that our veterans got at the time, which is a little bit more on the money side. Okay. Um, so the land was pretty much it. And they couldn't sell it because a half million other people has got a whole bunch of free land. The market's kind of shit. So they're stuck with Along it. Along with the land's kind of shit. The land is also shit. <laughs> unless, unless you're farming death. <laughs> like, I got a whole crop full of rattlesnakes. Of <laughs> so, uh, my vipers are coming in great this year. <laughs> Next season's rattle. Yeah. So, what did they farm most of the time? I don't know if you... It was mostly wheat, um, because um, I mean, food crops, uh, they were really badly needed. Um, from years of uh, government rationing during the war, stuff like that. Um, and then the Depression hit. The Great Depression hit the world in around 1929, and the government panicked. Um, you see, the rest of the world felt the crunch of this Depression, not, not some, some worse than others, but all, they all felt it. Um, and the way they tried to generate revenue and to spark their own economy was tariffs. That sounds familiar. You've been watching the news. Um, so they raised tariffs on food, uh, which made it harder to trade and only made the situation worse. Australia found itself wondering where the hell it was going to make up for all the lost food crop since it couldn't import anything anymore. Um, they couldn't afford it. Every time they imported food, they lost money, no matter how much. So say they, I don't know, I'm going to go with soybeans because that's a huge crop for the U.S. Say they, they were supposed to import millions of tons of soybeans into Australia um, and then sell them at market to people who use them to make fucking edamame. I don't know. Um, uh, well, suddenly that's way more expensive. They'd have to jack up the price of those soybeans to the point that nobody's ever going to want them. Right. Um, so they did the only thing they could. And they're like, Hey, we got all these farmers out West who are make them all grow wheat. Um, everybody, no matter what you're doing, slash everything else, grow wheat. Um, the government promised massive subsidies for this because you're, you're going to lose a lot of money slashing and burning and then planting. It's not like it grows overnight. Yeah. You know, they have to like pump a ton of money into this uh, ecosystem to make sure that the farmers aren't going to die um, or at least make them something resembling happy. Um, I wouldn't be happy. Right. Nobody really yeah. was. But I mean, the, the subsidies are supposed to be pretty good. Like it was going to make up for it in the long run. It was Does just it ever like, say like what they would get uh, money that um, 
never came. It just didn't happen. Oh, um, so unfortunately, they finally came to the clues like, sorry, guys, we're all out of fucking queen dollars or dollar <laughs> dues. Uh, so you're not getting your subsidies. So now you have all these pissed off farmers and fields and fields of unused wheat with shitty land. <laughs> and, you know, this is a free market society. Um, so what happens with an, an abundance of supply? The price collapses entirely. You have all these dudes out west who are trying to sell this tons of wheat. But now they just can't get rid of because them and their six other neighbors are trying to pawn off all their fucking wheat. It's worth nothing. Everybody's got wheat. Yeah, everybody's got wheat. and Nobody's got any fucking yeah. money. Nobody wants wheat. They just have it. So what can make the situation worse? If you're going to like make a top three, what can make the situation worse? Other than being in Australia. Yeah, at the turn at like, you know, pre-World War II Australia. Yeah. What can make the situation worse? I would say a bad season. Bad season. Okay. Let's go with fire. Because I see that with Australia. It is Australia. It's like the California in the middle of the ocean. If you <laughs> fart too hard, Tanzania catches on fire. Uh, Tasmania said Tanzania. Anyway. There's already venomous animals. I don't know. You give me the three. Or maybe a one. Who knows? I bet you didn't think emus. <laughs> emus, you fuck. Emus. Hard you. <laughs> I'm going to say emus because I'm American. I was going to say that too. Yeah. So emus. Um, thousands and thousands of emus. <laughs> Tens of fucking thousands. Yes. Descended on the Campion district of Western Australia like some kind of feathery biblical plague out of nowhere. <laughs> Nobody saw this coming. It's ne- had never happened before. Um, but like just surprise emu attack. Um, generally emus were supposed to migrate towards the coast after the breeding season. but Something happened since then in the way, and that was suddenly thousands of farmers had propped up irrigation systems and cleared land out and mm. made all these crops, which the emus apparently decided, you know, emu high command got together. Yeah. And Bertolini said, was there. Yeah. Said, you know, fuck this further migration shit. We got everything we need right here. We're moving in. And uh, farms end up being attractive. Emu getaway, it turned out. Um, <laughs> The emus at this point were around 20,000. 20,000 strong, Bertolini at the head, ready to go. Yeah. Sabres rattling, long, awkward, backward bending legs. <laughs> you know, it's like the most awkward plague ever. Like you They're got locusts, fucking, you got sparrows, and you got these fucking weird six foot tall chickens. Fucking gangly, fucking turkey looking motherfuckers. Yeah. So the emus would ravage the crops wherever they went, and the ones they didn't eat, they would just destroy. <laughs> like, like they were ill-tempered emus. Fuck, no, you're a crop. Yeah, they would just. It was like a a wildfire pulled through. They even destroyed structures by moving in and digging around and stuff. Because like when there's no crops, they would dig for seeds. Well, apparently emus can dig straight through floorboards. Never would have known that. This could be now. The show always prides itself in historical accuracy. This could be anti-emu propaganda. <laughs> this could be anti-emu propaganda. We don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I assume the birds were just assholes. Birds in general are assholes. They really are. I mean, like, have you ever had a run with, like, a swan? Yes. Or a goose? They're so dicks. Where I used to live, after I moved out of L.A., it was Riverside. And there was this apartment complex called Swan Lake. It was a shitty man-made lake with a shit ton of swans in it. They were fucking assholes. Because you walk along the fucking street, they'll be like, why you on my turf? Why you on my turf? I'm like, hey, look, I just got out of L.A. And they fucking scream at you. Yeah. They're annoying as fuck. They smell like shit. They'll shit on everything. They don't give a fuck. And they'll attack you. 
They've yeah. actually killed people. Have they? Yeah. Like uh, when I, I grew up in Michigan, so we get Canadian geese all the time. And uh, they would like, you'd be out paddling on whatever lake because, you know, we have so many fucking lakes. There. I feel like they're a lot more polite. No, Canadian? it's like it's like somehow Canada is such a nice country. And like the early like BC era, they're like, gentlemen, get together. I have this idea like a Canadian wizard. Get everybody together. Like we're going to transfer out all of our ill tempers and all of our angers into this weird looking bird over here. And that's how fucking Canadian geese are formed. Like they're, they're just the sponge of all Canadian hatred like all the and rage misery that they can rage and that's how you get a Canadian geese uh a king goose i like that one and they they would like uh there's a guy who's on his paddle boat um like uh, on some lake i don't remember what lake and uh he floated near not like through near like goose adjacent and uh the the geese with like their goslings in tow like flipped out and attacked them knocked his boat over and he couldn't come back up to the surface, and he drowned. Probably held him underwater. Yeah, just like, wait for the bubbles to go. They're <laughs> yeah. like teaching their kids how to be assholes. Yeah. Your fucking shoulders just... <laughs> <laughs> now listen here, little Pete. You have to hold his head under until the bubbles stop. Quack. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bringing this back, the emus. Um, so, this is... They also had a, another issue, and I, I know as deep scholars such as ourselves, you know quite a bit about uh, Australia's invasive species problem. You don't have to answer me. I know you do. You're a scholar and a gentleman. Anyway, uh, so... Thank you. Uh, Australia is full of so many invasive species that they made a Simpsons episode out of it. It's like the one thing that the Simpsons didn't do first. I think Bart brings a frog to Australia uh, and it just takes over. Uh, but there's a real life thing that's just like that in Australia, and it's rabbits. Somebody in like the 17 or 18 hunts brought a fucking rabbit to Australia, and uh, they just set about doing what rabbits do best and just fucked endlessly. Um, once they got to their you know population numbers, nothing stood in their way. They had no natural predators, and you think right. you know for a, a fucking snake they can kill a man every ten feet, they'd be able to take rabbits out, but they just outnumbered everything. Um, in 1907, they attempted to construct a giant fence across western australia to keep them out of the farmlands these are the rabbits so they try to create like a great wall of western australia to keep out rabbits they just fucking dug under it <laughs> yeah uh, so they built it again made it go really far underground and it worked pretty well well these emus storm through and destroy the goddamn fence Which, yeah because they're big giant assholes so the emus came through so the emus are like the cavalry of like the Narnia army here going on in Australia. <laughs> they kick open the fence and then their light infantry rabbit compatriots come bursting through the holes in the line. Um, and that's fuck they're coordinated. All, all jokes said it's kind of what happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, Australia gets so desperate about these rabbits that they resort to biological warfare against them in the 1950s and introduce a special virus to the population that literally made them bleed from the inside out to death. It was kind of like Ebola, but only affected rabbits. Um, it killed hundreds of thousands of them, but the ones it didn't kill, it just made immune to the illness. <laughs> so all they did is breed a bigger, stronger breed Super of rabbits. rabbits. Yes, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this had, yeah, like I said, this happened so many times that they literally made a Simpsons episode out of it. Where uh, uh, Bart, I think Bart went to Australia to to check to see if the toilets flushed the opposite way, 
and he brought a just a, like how the burgers are upside down. Yeah. Fucking monsters. <laughs> um, and then he brought a, a frog with him who ended up getting out and destroying the country. Um, anyway, back on the emu front, these poor farmers went to the government to plead their case and ask for any kind of assistance. Um, all jokes aside, in some areas, the emus are literally destroying entire farms and no one can figure out how to stop them. They're like taking pot shots at them with your rifles going to slow them down. This, we're talking about a group of birds that is literally equal to the size of an army division. Just to put this like back on military history yeah. side, like it's, it, it is a fucking offensive unit that has tens of thousands of birds deep. That are assholes. And they, like, yeah, I mean, all these guys have weapons. They're farmers and they're veterans, but yeah. like a bolt action rifle against 20,000 people, you know, you, you and your, you know, son and your wife or whatever taking pot shots and isn't going to do shit. There's, no. They're obviously breeding rapidly and they're eating all of your livelihood. So they're fucking huge. They are. They don't give a fuck. They're like six two. They're like yeah. a bird my size. Yeah. And they weigh like 80 pounds. So it's like a bird. But they're also fast as shit. Yeah. They, yeah, they can run as fast as my Prius. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, in 1932, fed up with government in action and losing their homes to hordes and hordes of emus, the veterans marched up to the nearest government office and demanded they be allowed to solve this damn problem only way a group of World War I veterans know how. Machine guns. Yeah. <laughs> Machine guns. They were um, so great against us. And, and why wouldn't they? These guys are all veterans from like Gallipoli. Which is even worse. Yeah. They fought, they fought as Anzac. So they, they saw some of the worst fighting yeah. in World War I. Um, Gallipoli was a shit show. If anybody knew the destructive effectiveness of well-laid machine gun fire, it would be them. Um, it could tear apart invading. I mean, it, it could tear apart invading army like them, yeah. and it did. Um, surely these long-necked fucks didn't stand a chance. It's not like they were going to fly away. They're flightless birds. Um, of all people, Minister of Defense Sword, Sir George Pierce completely agreed. So he also was a World War One veteran, and he solved all of his problems with machine guns. Just as his wife. Nice. Um, he didn't actually kill his wife. I didn't. I'm just making a joke. I, and if he did, I didn't find that in my research. So, you know, either way, um, he actually had ulterior motives as well. Being had it had been a long time since Australia found itself in the middle of an actual war. Uh, Pierce thought that his soldiers would benefit from the opportunity of shooting something that was alive and running away from them. <laughs> uh, they just got out of World War One. Emus are obviously the perfect stand-in for humans. We wouldn't argue that. That'd be a ridiculous argument to make. Okay. Except yeah. that's not a comparison that I would ever make. I guess sure. except they're tall. Whatever. Um, the only caveat was the veterans would be relegated to providing food and lodging for regular soldiers who'd be coming in to do the shooting. Uh, the government of Western Australia saw another opportunity to show the poor beleaguered farmers how much they cared and how much they're going to do to ease their plight. And their efforts to win the hearts and minds of the victims of this brutal emu siege, they hired an entire film crew from Fox Movie Tone to document their triumphant campaign against these flightless foes. <laughs> the offensive began under the command of Major G.P.W. Meredith of the 7th Battery of the Royal Australian Artillery. Along with Meredith came Sergeant S. McMurray and Gunner J. O'Hallara. I know you're thinking, artillery? Awesome. Nice. Great idea. Not quite. Unfortunately, they were just going to be the armed soldiers um, at the time. And a, a lot of units actually during World War I um, put their machine gun units under their artillery command. Australia just hadn't moved on from that quite yet. So it's not as cool as it sounds. They were armed with two Lewis guns, 
and 10,000 rounds of ammunition between them. Um, I'm a little surprised that Australia, a country that wasn't above biological and chemical warfare and rabbits, was actually above dropping shells on these guys. Yeah. Like, maybe they were just out of artillery rounds. I don't know. Why 10,000 if there's a shit ton? I think, well, they weren't like. They didn't want to completely fucking. They weren't going to eradicate emails. They were just going to like. I feel like even then, 10,000 isn't much. I mean, even at 100% effectiveness, that's still only 50% decrease. Even then. And as we'll find out, they were not even close to being 50% accurate. No. Um, The Lewis gun, the machine gun they chose to do their duty, was a British-designed and manufactured light machine gun that's well-known for its distinctive top-loaded pan magazine and and giant barrel shroud that looks like some kind of steampunk means sci-fi cannon. It is pretty mean if, like, you don't know anything about historical firearms and you look at it, you think it's like some ye old version of a belt-fed grenade launcher. <laughs> it's pretty mean looking. Um, it was used in the tens of thousands during World War I and is renowned for the war, uh, in the war for its reliability and destructive power. Which, of course, begs the question, what were the emus armed with? Nothing. Obviously, they're emus. They're um, fucking tanks. Yeah. Their maximum effective range of an emu doesn't really match match up to that of a light machine gun i know that might be jarring for some to hear um though they were six two uh generally about six foot two inches tall yeah weigh around 90 pounds and could probably peck the shit out of you of if, if you're dumb enough to get too close um if they could fuck up some floorboards i'm pretty sure they could fuck up somebody's skull yeah i mean like so i guess what you're saying is like the emus are the scrappy underdog story here <laughs> yeah pretty much i mean there's a whole list of animals I wouldn't want to fight in hand-to-hand combat. I don't know if I'd rank emus on it, because, you know, there's things like lions, tigers, and bears, and <laughs> everything else in between. But, like, emus are pretty much an ostrich. And I wouldn't yeah. want to fuck with an ostrich. No. I don't know. I guess I, I'm... The scale of Australia animals here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would rather fight an emu than, like, a kangaroo. Kangaroos will fuck you up. Have you ever seen those videos? I don't know the rabbits got numbers. I'll fight one of them. You got to fight at least 100 of them. I'll fight the leader. Then they'll all respect me. Do you ever watch Watership Down? It doesn't end well. They don't know. They'll be fine. Oh, have you not seen Watership Down? No, I haven't. Oh my God. You need to see Watership Down. All right. I guess we'll watch it's it. It's literally a war movie with rabbits. What? It's magnificent. Well, it's our usual once a week sleepover, so we might <laughs> plug it in. Who yep. knows? Yep. So. Here we are on the eve of the glorious battle, and Meredith pulls his boys aside to give him a speech. Right out of inglorious bastards. Channeling his inner Aldo Rain, he says to each man he must bring him 100 emu skins. And I assume they weren't allowed to go home until he got his emu yeah. skins. wonder who did God it first. Damn it, he won his skins. He was going to get them skins. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even kidding. His demand for skins were real. I didn't just make that up. He really wanted each person to get 100 emu skins, but he still only brought like four people. He didn't bring much. No. I mean, I mean, I would imagine bringing like a baker's dozen. Maybe a platoon. But even then, they only brought like two or two, two to four. So a baker's dozen would be better than that. Yeah, I get it. Like literally anything would have been better than this. Yeah. Um, and this isn't from like some strange backstory where Meredith's family was stalked and murdered by a roaming band of emu thugs. Um, Leaving him in the care of the Royal Australian oh, Artillery that'd be a Regiment. It'd be <laughs> I would a great movie. It. It, except, like, it'd be like, made by Disney or Pixar. So all the, the emus. Liam Neeson would play. <laughs> all the emus are like cute little cartoons. And it's like Liam Neeson. 
cracking emu necks. <laughs> I have a long list of skills. Quack. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, his uh, he wasn't like he didn't like join the Australian artillery to constantly train and hone his craft, longing for the day where he'd have his emu revenge. No, that would be absurd, Nick. Why would you even think that? What? <laughs> uh, it's because emu feathers actually were exactly what the light cavalry needed for their fancy new dress hats. It's funny that you say that. I was going to say that later. <laughs> They needed some feathers for their fucking yeah. hats. So that, <laughs> this might be the first hat-based military campaign. They were just trying to look fabulous, all right? And the emus had what God, they needed. those feathers look great. Yeah. He's like on a hill somewhere high above the plains of wherever the fuck in Western Australia. Like, God damn, those are some fine feathers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Meredith's war machine of two guys rearing and like? ready to go. Um, nothing could slow them down, except rain. Rain caused the emus to scatter, making it not so easy to shoot at them, so Meredith postponed the operation till November 2nd. Oh yeah, a little bit of rain. Then, Meredith let loose his dogs of war. And it was about then that they realized that they never made any plans for it when they actually got there. <laughs> Do you need a plan for it, though? I mean, you still, <laughs> have to, like, you still have to have some semblance of a plan. Like, we're going to deploy the guns here, we're going to shoot now. Something... He did literally nothing. I mean, probably because he thought, all right, they're just fucking birds. Let's just do this shit. Right. That's probably what he was thinking. Well, like, they got to the area and then did nothing. They just, like, sat around they, with, like, their guns on a cart. Didn't really do anything. Eventually, local farmers tried to help out by herding the birds together for an ambush. Only discovered that advanced emu military intelligence network had spoiled their plans, causing emus to scatter rather than herd and stick together. Bertolini was a smart guy. Yeah, he, he doesn't army. get the credit that he deserves. No, he doesn't. Um, now, this is dumb from the get-go. Jokes aside, emus aren't domesticated. And uh, they the reason why animals like sheep and cows and every other creature of, the, of a farm uh, is liable to be herded by a dog is because it's a trained instinct. Right. Um, obviously, these random emus don't have that instinct. Um, the emus just didn't have any of their bullshit and scattered like dust in the wind at the first sign of danger. Um, one of the gunners decided to open fire at the scattering birds anyway, only to find out that emus are actually like the agent from the Matrix, and he hit absolutely nothing. Neo? He, he wasn't an agent. He was the one. I thought you said Matrix. I didn't hear agent. I did say Matrix. Oh, okay. He's an agent from the Matrix. You know me. What movie did you watch? The same one. Was Neo the bad guy you. in your movie? Sorry, I didn't hear you. I don't believe you. Other than that, Good movie. I like the first one. The other ones weren't too good. They were so bad. Yeah. Um, after being met with total defeat, and his Meredith and his merry band of fuck ups buckled down and planned for another ambush. Uh, on November fourth, they planned a massive killing zone near a local dam, and over a thousand emus were spotted heading towards their position. A statement that would would be terrifying pretty much in any other situation. Like you're defending a position it's you and your assistant gunner on a machine gun there's a thousand enemy moving towards you but the remus can't even picture it yeah <laughs> it, that's, that's, i can't even picture a tall bird i've never seen a tall bird you've never seen like an ostrich in no, a zoo i haven't i've never been to the zoo you've never been to the zoo no you sweet summer child i haven't been to a lot of places <laughs> fuck you dude everywhere has a zoo not if your family can't afford it. It's like five bucks. 
They didn't want to take the me. only people who go to zoo are poor people because like it's cheaper than the Dude, movies. I went to a fucking carnival at a church. Yeah, those are free. That's like the next exactly. step down from zoo. I didn't fucking go anywhere as a kid. <laughs> I have to do everything now as an adult. Yeah, I, I kind of do the same. And thing. now I don't even want to do it because I don't want to go see a bunch of animals. Yeah, you always say that when you're like a kid. You're like, when I'm an adult, I have to go to school all the time. I'm gonna do everything I've always wanted to do. And you have like the weekend off from work, and you're like, I sit on my couch. That's yeah, what I'm gonna do, pretty much. <laughs> um, uh, so the uh, emus approach their position, and the gunners wait till the emus got close. Oh, and I'm assuming there's some rousing speech about like, don't shoot until you see the brown of their beak <laughs> or whatever. Um, the lead gunner opened up a glorious blaze of machine gun fire of like five rounds on his gun jammed. Nice. Yeah. Um, he killed about 12 birds, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, after all that anticipation, they f- forgot to clean their fucking machine guns. Could you imagine how like disgusting a, a fully lubed up World War One era machine gun would get being drug along the fucking outback? I can. Yeah. It's they they go to clear the bolt and it's like has like six or seven snakes in it. <laughs> <laughs> they go to pull a trigger, it's the fucking tarantula crawls out the, the fucking barrel. red clay and a shit ton of fucking venomous animals. <laughs> um the the other birds, seeing their blessed martyr sacrifice, made a tactical retreat somewhere where assholes were shooting at them. And that was the end of the day. They killed twelve birds after luring a thousand of them, I'm assuming within decent machine gun range. <laughs> You shall write shiny and chrome. <laughs> the glory of Emu Valhalla. <laughs> now things start to get creepy. I know I made a dumb joke earlier about Emu military intelligence. I'm not going to back up. I'm not going to back down from that. But that actually began to take place. I know what you're thinking. Are you talking about their leader? Bird, Bird Salini? Is that what you call them? Bertolini. Bertolini. Yeah, uh, he existed apparently. He did. And he had a uh, small unit leadership. Uh, the emus quickly adapted to the war in which they found themselves and stopped gathering in large groups. Instead, army observers said they could they would stay in small groups. And one large emu, I assume also like an, an emu major, so like Meredith has a counterpart, would stand watch over them and warn when any humans came near. I want to picture that, that the emus literally <laughs> adapted and overcame. No, yeah, and I want to picture that that emu saw the major up in the fucking like hills, and they both stared at each other. Quack. Like a fucking game. <laughs> like, Clever girl. Yeah. That'd be fucking great. But it was probably some yoinked. Fucking oink. Fucking uh, emo, emo with like an eight pack and fists instead of wing. <laughs> instead of a fucking two, two feet. <laughs> fists. <laughs> uh, Meredith, not willing to be outsmarted by an army of birds, also attempted to adapt. He had his Lewis guns mounted on a truck and he would go on the offensive. Now, this isn't like. A Humvee. This isn't even like a a deuce and a half from World War II. These are pre World War II trucks. Suspensions made out what I'm assuming is balsa wood. <laughs> no shocks. Yeah. Uh, it turns out this is a really bad idea. Uh, in the early 1930s, trucks were incredibly unreliable and slow, meaning the birds could literally outrun their truck. Yeah. To make matters worse, when they would attempt to storm across the outback in enemy formations, the ride would be so drying the gunners wouldn't even be able to shoot. So I have a cool experience with that. <laughs> Go on. So uh, when I was a reenactor, cosplayer, fuck up. cosplayer, no, cosplayer. no. All right, you already said it once. That was for the fuck. All right, I'm not a fuck. So poor, poor that old crow. You know what? Old crow really gets the taste of 
failed military campaigns out of your mouth. <sighs> so I'm running around in a half track and I'm on the 30 cal, which is the 1919 that we had. There's no suspension on a half track if you've ever seen one. There's none at all. Like a World War II World War II one. So there's none. Absolutely nothing. So we're literally going over flat land, but you feel like you're going over like some pretty cool dunes or something. Like you're like re-entering the stratosphere. Yeah. Like whenever a Humvee gets over 20 miles an hour. Yeah. So I'm on the 1990s just fucking waving it around basically. I'm just like, there's no point. I'm just going to sit down. This is stupid. Yeah, they're just lucky the emus can return fire. I'm, you're, they're lucky that the emus didn't receive aid. <laughs> they would have been fucked. Who would be like their ally in this situation? Like the emus are distinctively not communist, so the Soviet Union isn't coming no, they're to their not aid. Go. <laughs> um, I don't know, like the the greater union of tarantulas. I don't know would come to their aid and <laughs> crawl at their ankles. I don't. <laughs> Well, they had fucking bunnies as allies. I don't see why they couldn't get somebody else. It was a loose alliance, though, because the bunnies never came to the raid ever again. That's true. It was like a one-time thing. Yeah, they were just lucky that they didn't receive aid. Yeah. Was it, who would aid them? <laughs> what would be their aid? We don't know. We're just lucky. I bet Hitler would Australia would, <laughs> Australia Hitler would be speaking fucking emu right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for these brave heroes or else you'll be speaking emu. Parliament all gathers together. The prime minister sits down, straightens his tie. <clears throat> quack. Quack. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Where did we go wrong? Make Australia great again. <laughs> back, back to the emu board. Um, So the trucks didn't work. Uh, they couldn't shoot at him, and the continued failure, failures made the Australian House of Representatives look like fucking idiots. So they got together on November 8th and decided this stupid shit had to end. And remember, they had to send journalists uh, and camera people to document the whole thing. They had to document the hunting. Yeah. Meaning they had accidentally turned themselves into laughing stocks all around the country. What's even worse is like they could have just not published it. Yeah, no, but, they could. But they're just like, eh, fuck it. This is pretty sweet. We, we need to show the people a war effort progress. <laughs> uh, on the same day, they ordered the military to withdraw its army from the field, giving the emus the first and only tactical military history in human history. Uh, Meredith, in his defeat, praised the emus, saying, and I swear to God, this is a quote. Clever girl. <laughs> Clever girl. Quote, if we had a military division with the bullet carrying capacity of these birds, it could face any army in the world. They could face machine guns with the invulnerability of tanks. They're like Zulus. Holy fuck. Who even dumb, dumb bullets could not stop. Battlefield one horses. But emus. Yes. Uh, Also, dumb, dumb bullets are like old timey versions of hollow points. Um, Meredith also seriously pointed out. We didn't technically fail. We didn't lose a single soldier. I fucking the, hope not. Yeah. <laughs> just getting fucking stomped on in your position. Just like you fall asleep in your sleeping bag or whatever. And you wake up. There's an emu over you. Shh, 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 shh. Go to sleep, bitch. No tears. No tears. Only dreams. She'd <laughs> <laughs> get stomped on. Or pegged to death. Quack. And I mean, they had no POWs, but to be fair, the emus never surrendered either. That's true. Emus did not have a single man captured alive. Fucking Master Crease, no mercy, dude. (laughs) 
crane style. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can't honestly believe that. This is like a military officer grasping for like one bright spot and yeah. and like a total kind of embarrassment. Digging for also, something. Also, he compared the birds to Zulus. That's like as racist as shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, these birds, they're uh, they're almost as good as Zulus. Like he couldn't like compare them to like the army they just fought yeah. a couple years before. He's gonna go to the last black dudes they fought in Africa. Also, the Zulus routed an entire British field army. These dudes just made these guys look like assholes. But I mean, was a treaty ever signed between them and the emus? Yeah, Un- unsure. They're unsure. still at war. No, it's like uh, it's an armistice. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, North and South Korea, except uh, there's no Kim Jong Bird. So there's also no 39th parallel. Yeah, no. Western Australia is a bloodbath to this day. Oh, um, and still shitty looking. <laughs> has a sweet rabbit fence. Um, nice. Honestly, I don't know. I've never been to Western Australia. It could be completely emu controlled. Ooh, yeah, we're not sure. And anybody who says otherwise is a crisis actor. Mm. Hot take. <laughs> Hot I like take. it. Lukewarm take. Lukewarm <laughs> take. Lukewarm. Um, like everything in Australia. Everything in Australia is hot and poisonous. I feel like the water, if they even tried putting a little bit of ice in it, would probably be lukewarm. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. Uh, later on that same year, the Australian military would once again deploy in the field against Emu Menace. Again, it'd be another command of Major Meredith. Him being obviously the emu war expert on the continent. He's the only one that went into battle with them. He has experience. Right. I'm assuming the other two guys were just like, yeah, go ahead. And And that's where I hope Bertolini sees his fucking foe again (laughs) on the hill. Good to see you again, Bertolini. Quack. (laughs) And and then there's like, subtitles says likewise. (laughs) This would be a really good cartoon. It needs to happen. Yeah. But like somehow it'd be, you know, you know, Morgan Freeman would be involved. He, he would play the voice of the emu general. Quack. Oh, I can't do it. Quack. I don't know. Only Morgan Freeman can do Morgan Freeman's voice. I feel like they'd have perfect subtitles for the emus, but for the Australians with their accents and all. It would just be this every time. Question the, marks. Every time he opened his mouth, the sound of a didgeridoo would just come out. <laughs> it would just I, I swear like a the lot. Subtitles would just be question marks. <laughs> There's like a completely different level of swearing over here. <laughs> um, this time, though, there's a fair amount of success. Um, Meredith on his. Also, I could see like when Meredith left Western Australia, it was like MacArthur leaving Philippines. I will return. Yeah. And the farmers were like, please, sir, please. It's like emus pushed them in the concentration camps. <laughs> uh, Meredith came back and they actually killed over 2000 emus this time. Nice. So I'm assuming there's a plethora of emu-related hats uh, since their first mission is a complete failure. That's true. They did want the feathers. They still accomplished nothing, though. Um, after they pulled out, uh, the emu just came back and farmers were under siege again. And probably in one of the stranger statements in military history, Australian ornithologist Dominic Severntry said, quote, the machine gunner's dreams of point-blank fire into surried masses of emus were so dissipated. The emu's command had evidently ordered guerrilla tactics and its unwieldy army emu tactics <laughs> guerrilla emu tactics soon split up into un- unnumerable small units that made use of military equipment uneconomic. A crestfallen field force therefore withdrew 
in the com- from the combat area in about one month, defeated. This was a quote from an ornithologist. There's a dude that studies birds. Yeah. For those who aren't sure. They sure brought that dude along. Right? He would be like, I don't know, like battlefield psychologist against emus? I don't yeah, know. I don't know. He'd probably uh, do a lot better than fucking Major over here. <sighs> Meredith. You, yeah. you know that dude never saw Lieutenant Colonel. No, after the fucking emu war? No, like he, goes, he goes to the promotion board like, so tell us about the emus. It's like, oh, you guys are still going on about the emus. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, that was years ago. One time. World War II rolls around like, you know what, Meredith? You can just stay at home. <laughs> yeah. These guys actually shoot back. Um, the farmers repeatedly asked for help over and over again ever since uh, because killing 2,000 out of 20,000 doesn't really do a whole lot. Um, Throughout the years, as the, as the occupying emu force just refused to retreat, the government refused to go down that road ever again, however. Uh, instead, they created a bounty system, wherein each dead emu was worth a certain amount of money. The veteran farmers suddenly found their calling that they'd always been missing, and slaughtered 57,000 of the goddamn things in just seven months. Way better than the army. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. Well, I think I read something where they said the farmers would... Uh breed the emus and then turn in their uh these emus for the bounty oh i have no doubt almost at, like i would do that that's probably the like when they came out the bounty some dudes like why don't we just fucking breed emus now it's way more <laughs> yeah. worth more Fuck way more this worthwhile than this shit. goddamn wheat we have sitting around <laughs> so to close this episode i have a reading in the memory of the fallen emu heroes <laughs> They went with songs to the battle. They were young, straight of limb, true of eye, steady in a glow. They were staunch to the end against odds uncounted. They fell with their faces to the foe. They shall not grow old as we are left to grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. That was Rudyard Kipling. Beautiful. In case anybody didn't pick that up. That's great. I love it. Uh, so that's but, our well, fucking episode on emus. I wanted to ask you, like, so what if Australia would have won? Would they be a superpower? Because <laughs> these motherfuckers couldn't do it. You know, I feel like this was the turning point. Um, you know, the U.S. had the splitting of the atomic uh, particle that created the weapon. Right. The Soviet Union had the victory of World War II, and then they also got the atomic bomb. Um, Australians had the emu war, but they blinked. They blinked. Nobody else blinked. Mm. Uh, and uh, that's why we all are currently living under uh, the occupation of the People's Republic of Quack. <laughs> now I want to go to Australia. <laughs> Western, to be specific. You know and this is, this is isn't actually the worst um, uh, looking time a military has ever been turned against an animal, um, but it's the first time we brought machine guns to it. Uh, you know, China had the three pest campaign yeah. under Mao, uh, which the army was totally involved in, but so was everybody else where they would kill locusts and sparrows. And wasn't um, there one in South America with goats? Goats? I have to look that one up again. I read about it. I feel a like long you're, time ago. you're just being prejudiced against goats straight out the hip like that. It's not well, right. I don't now. know any goats to be prejudiced against. I don't know any goats either, but doesn't mean you can't hate on them. That's true. I mean, there's worse animals you could fight, I guess. I mean, like, emus probably like won't kill everything you. in Australia. Yeah, but, you know, 
they they learn to grow around them. I guess because snakes don't eat crops or something. Yeah, they're just assholes. Yeah, it's just like another long line of Australia losing to animals. I don't know how that country survived to the 21st century. It's Pop- hot it's, as it, fuck. It's <laughs> populated by poisonous creatures, rabid fucking emu armies, and criminals. Fucking dingoes <laughs> hop over fences and steal babies. I th- did that really happen? From what I've heard? I thought the story was like she claimed a dingo stole her baby, but she just killed her baby. Or is that real? I don't know. I think it could be real. Honestly, in Australia, why the fuck not? Yeah, some fucking winged snake is going to swoop down and steal the baby (laughs) out of a crib. Like a white walker, once it touches it, the baby also turns into a snake. Um, But yeah, that's our episode today. Um, It was our our light-hearted palate cleanser after all all the cannibalistic genocide from last week. I wasn't really into the child raving. You know, I could go the rest of my life without reading without child, child rape ever yeah. again. Uh, but unfortunately, there was a plethora of it. Cornucopia of it. Ooh. It's like the most depressing Thanksgiving display ever. Yeah, it would be. Cornucopias <laughs> can be big. But also just just no. I never want to pit, stop picturing that. Um, yeah, and I don't think I'm going to be that lucky because I'm currently taking a graduate class about like wars in the antiquity. And it's just like lousy with rape everywhere um but that's our episode for this week um huge shout out to nate from the hell of a way to die podcast if you're not listening to it you should probably listen to it thank you so much he mailed us this mic um that is working magnificently oh yeah uh for poor nick over there whose mic it is not shit on answer um (laughs) um thank you to everybody donating on the patreon um it's been Kind of oh, crazy. Been, yeah. To think that people actually enjoy this. And have to pay for it. Like yeah. if you feel like our pocket, like I always say, our podcast will always be free. Um, if you feel like what we do is worth a dollar, even a single time, not reoccurring, whatever, you can give it to us on Patreon. We've already been using it to uh, get a producer. Uh, we now have a producer that will be making all of our podcasts uh, to get Nick a new mic rather than this loner. And to get some designs done for some possible shirts and stickers and stuff for the future, um, which should be done soon-ish. Nice. Um, Rate and review us on iTunes. That helps greatly. And uh, now that we actually finally got everything switched over to SoundCloud, um, makes everything a whole lot easier to share and like and everything. Oh, yeah. You know, Pinecast is great if you want to spend five bucks a month, but you get five bucks a month for it. Yeah. Yeah. also, iTunes is like really, really serious on uh, how it takes um, its art requirements. It took three hours to get something to work last week. So I'm glad that's Pain over. in the ass. Yeah. So uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, the podcast is at Lions underscore by. I'm at JCAS99. I'm at NickCASM1. And thank you for everybody. Oh, yeah. Uh, that stops by and listens to our shit and thank you. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And thank you for making my book uh number one bestseller. In I'm two have to get mine signed right now. In two different categories. I can't believe it. Uh, so thank you everybody and we will see you next week. Later.